Hi there, Dr. Gary here on the road. We sell dental practices nationwide. Thank you for listening. So today's topic is, in the sale of a dental practice, what happens when the buyer decides they will not use an attorney? We'll talk about that. Uh, these stories happen every day. We don't make them up. These are live incidents, and we want to share them with you. So now we're in 27 states. We have 10 employees, including two CPA accountants, marketing director, advertising director, operations director, and five development acquisition uh, individuals. The, um, and we continue to grow. We're available to you uh, every day except Christmas and Easter. We answer the phone from 7.30 a.m. till 9.30 p.m. East Coast time. So feel free to call us. If you have any questions, want to just discuss, free consultation, or you want an appraisal, we do free appraisals also, no charge. I'll give you a short idea what the market is like for what type of practice you have. So in each area of the country is different, if they're buying from DSO or whatever. So the information we're about to give you is for entertainment purposes. It's not legal or business advice at all. Now, if you're thinking about selling to a DSO, please call us because we deal with them every day. It's a changing, changing environment with the DSOs. Some are being sold right now. Some are having financial troubles. One of them in particular, we don't name names, we'll call us privately, we'll tell you, are having trouble. They're closing offices in one of the states and the employees are scattering for jobs. So not all DSOs, and you may not read about this in print. There's no big publication, such and such DSO is having trouble. I do deal with the DSOs and I enjoy working with them. Most of the ones we work with have been around for a long time. But this one DSO is having trouble. So call us. Um, the DSOs, most of them pay our commission. And often, sometimes we can get your legal fees paid based on criteria, of course. We get your legal fees reimbursed upon a su successful closing. So what do we have going on today? We have this buyer that doesn't want legal representation. I highly recommend against that. It is not a wise thing to do. I would call it a foolish thing to do. And they insist on it. So they're reviewing the documents. I don't even know if they know what they're looking at, but they're reviewing the documents. They have no idea how a closing occurs. For example, when it comes time to close 24 hours ahead of time, one of the two attorneys, buyers or sellers, attorney usually is sellers, has to create a closing statement. So the buyer's not going to do it. He doesn't have legal representation. So the seller's attorney is going to do it. But as far as the money goes, if the buyer's paying it for him, uh, by himself, he's not utilizing a bank, well, the buyer has to get his funds into the closing attorney, the seller's attorney, into their trust account a day or two ahead of time. And the buyer's telling me, well, I don't want any attorney holding on to my money until we close. I said, well, you can't close until you have money in the bank. And once it goes to an attorney's trust account, it's a safe environment. The attorneys don't mess around with that. 
He says, what if the attorney takes my money? He's not taking, I respond, he's not taking your money. But you have to get him to the money beforehand. So, well, how about if I do it the same day? I said, well, there's a lot of timing involved in wiring. And you may not get it in and he can't wire out the same day. In fact, some attorney's accounts can't wire the same day it comes in. Often it's due to timing. And the buyer is like no experience. They're just trying to save attorney fees. Because somebody got in their ear, oh, it's a boilerplate contract. Well, let me tell you something. Every, I'm doing this for 12 years. I've never seen two contracts that are identical. Every deal is different. So there's no, there may be a base contract, maybe, but it gets changed. That's just a, a framework. So this buyer thinks he knows what he's doing and he's going to read the contract and he's going to analyze it. Well, he's had the contract for five days now. Usually two days, three days, you know, you got a pulse on the contract. He's had it for five days, doesn't know what he's doing, doesn't know what he's reading. I can't protect him. I'm not an attorney. And I don't know who he's going to ask. So he keeps rereading the contract. He's trying to save money. It's so stupid. I told him, listen, the, cab, the practice is grossing $500,000. Do you realize it's grossing $520,000? You know, that's a lot of money. All right? So I try to get through to them, just not listening. I try to, and often when I'll do in a situation like that, I said, it's a $500,000 practice. Do you realize how much money? That's like, what, 10000 a week? Something like that? That's 2000 a day? I said, you're screwing around reading the contract because you don't know what you're reading, and it's costing you $2,000 a day because we're coming down to closing. So... 